0: is ProRata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas Bank here. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, racial inequality in automation and very bad news for private equity. But first, impeachment and the big red wall. So impeachment might seem like it's more about November 2020 than November 2019, but the reality is that it's seeping its way into other immediate issues. China, for example, reportedly isn't planning to offer many, if any, concessions during trade talks this week in D.C., perhaps thinking it can wait out a wounded president. And many, many other pressing Policy issues from infrastructure to immigration to cybersecurity to social media regulation, they all could get left in the dust if for no other reason than that the White House and the Congress are consumed by impeachment. That's all very real. What's less real, of course, is the likelihood that Trump will actually get removed from office. Remember, impeachment is just the House sending something to the Senate. It's the Senate, controlled by Republicans, that would need a two-thirds vote to remove Trump. And despite all of the recent revelations, despite Trump saying last week on camera that China should investigate his political rival, Joe Biden, There are no Senate Republicans so far who've said they'd vote to remove and just a couple who will even criticize behavior that used to be bipartisan taboo. The bottom line, Trump won the White House by breaking through the big blue wall in 2016. Now he plans to use the big red wall to keep it. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios founder and CEO Jim VandeHei. But first, this. This episode is brought to you by Silicon Valley Bank
1: know everything about coding, but not so much about banking? For more than 35 years, Silicon Valley Bank has been helping high-growth companies navigate through each stage of the startup journey. Stay tuned to learn more. Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas. Bank here.
0: We're joined now by Axio CEO Jim Vandehey. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said a couple weeks back that if the House were to vote to impeach, the Senate would basically have no constitutional choice but to hold a trial. But then in a Facebook fundraising video just a couple days ago, he said, quote, the way that impeachment stops is with a Senate majority, with me as majority leader. So if the House does vote to impeach, is there a Senate trial? I think there is a Senate trial.
1: To be clear, the Constitution's not unambiguous on this topic, and the Senate essentially Sets its own rules. There's certainly precedent from which it would work, but McConnell's now on the record saying there definitely would be a trial that they would have to act. And by the way, I don't think there's that much mystery. Like he's going to be impeached by the House. It's almost inconceivable that the House Democratic Caucus, with this many members on the record saying they want an impeachment inquiry, given what they now know about the Ukraine, given what Trump said about asking China to take a look at the Bidens, it's inconceivable that he will not be impeached probably in November. Or December of this year. So there will be a Senate trial. And what McConnell's saying is true, that like you want to keep Trump in office, if not for just a year, for an additional four. Republicans can keep him there. The only way to remove somebody from office is to get 67 votes of the U.S. Senate. So if he can keep his Republican wall as strong as it has been now for three, four years, he will remain in office regardless of what he does, regardless of what is unearthed, regardless of other whistleblowers coming forward. The only thing that matters now are the cracks in that Republican wall. And I see very few of them. You watch some of the commentary and you'd think, oh, Republicans, this is different. This is different. Maybe it's different. And certainly the, the level of evidence is different. But I don't see many Republicans saying that they'd vote for impeachment. You've got Ben Sass and Mitt Romney saying they're deeply concerned about the behavior. But remember, if you go back to the Clinton impeachment, you had Moynihan and Kerry and others deeply concerned about Clinton's behavior. But that didn't mean that they would vote to remove him from office.
0: From your perspective, is McConnell purely basing this on the math, as you say, the number of Republican senators, or is there from a procedural standpoint also that, you know, he could raise the prospect of impeachment in the house, but give it five minutes on the floor? Yes.
1: Yes. Again, he could do whatever he wants to do. I think he is saying, I'm the man in control. You need me in the Senate. You need my people behind me. But one of the things he could do is do what they did with Merrick Garland uh, in the Supreme Court. You can drag things out, or you can speed things up, or you can put a twist or a turn in there, all designed to protect uh, Donald Trump. And I think he's being clear that he does want to protect Donald Trump, that he does want to protect him from impeachment. And I think he knows, if you look at the number of Republican senators who sit in States that Trump won, where Trump remains popular, that more than anything explains why almost no Republican will say anything critical about him. Because it's a damnedest thing. You talk to these Republicans like we do off the record, they're deeply critical of Trump. They've had it with Trump, but that doesn't mean they're ever gonna say it in public, and it certainly doesn't mean that therefore they would vote. To overturn a Democratic election and remove him from office. And that is the thing to pay attention to.
0: The old Trump line about I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue. Is that really where we are? In other words, and you're right, people talk critically on background and off the record. They don't do so publicly. And even, as you say, folks like Romney, they're concerned, but they're not saying I'd like to impeach. I don't know how to say this better than really. Is there anything Trump could do that from your perspective that would put not just cracks in that red wall, but would kind of Kool-Aid man burst through it? It's possible that there's nothing that
1: he could do that there's nothing he could do that would prompt Republicans to remove him. I don't say that from an ideological perspective. I don't say it from an emotional perspective. I say it from look at what's happened over the last three plus years. Republican support for Trump has consistently been at 80 to 85 percent in almost every poll. Stronger, harder, more durable in Republican states. And so for a senator to go against the voters and to go against Trump, it requires a profile and courage that I have seen from very, very few people in American politics other than people who are writing political columns retiring from the U.S. Senate, or in John McCain's case, facing imminent death. Other than that, Mitt Romney's probably gone the furthest in being critical of Trump, and he's still quite cautious and guarded in his criticism of Trump. And by the way, look what Trump did this past weekend. Torches him on Twitter.
0: He torches him on Twitter. Of course, Romney's only one year into a six-year term. Technically, he should, if not, outlive Trump's presidency, at least, you know, equal it. Go back to the Clinton stuff. You covered all of that at the time. Democrats had pretty consistent and tell me I'm wrong about this, pretty consistent messaging on that, which was, yes, he lied, but he lied about sex. Who cares? That was kind of their thing in this case, at least over the past weekend. Republicans don't seem to yet have a unified message. And I'm wondering if that reflects concern that what they're putting out so far isn't resonating with their voters yet.
1: There's no evidence that it's not resonating with their voters. There's been a slight uptick in the number of Republicans who think that they should proceed with an impeachment proceeding and possibly impeach him. But we have not seen a decrease in his favorable ratings, especially in the swing states. And that's the thing to look for. Listen, if people start to change their minds about Trump, if those persuadable Republicans start to sour on Trump, then Republicans would have more freedom to turn on him. But so far, very few are doing so and that is what you have to focus on once it gets to the house floor and it looks like he'll be impeached because that will be the whole game because the republican message at that point will be ah listen everybody's kind of corrupt you can't overturn a democratic election the elections in six months seven months whatever it will be from when the trial begins, let the voters decide. They'll unify around something other than let's just sort of defend Donald Trump on different
0: terms. Final question for you, Jim, on the Democratic side of this, you're right that there's an impeachment vote in the House. Let's say the Senate doesn't vote to kick him out of office. If not the general election, but at least the Democratic primary, does it get consumed by impeachment? You know, in the early debates, it was all health care and things like that, but does it turn to completely impeachment?
1: I think the public debate will be consumed by impeachment. I don't know that the democratic debate will, just basically because of how the debate works, how the members are trying to distinguish themselves. You can only out-impeach another candidate so many times and so effectively. And so ultimately, the election will probably be about impeachment. The election is going to be a referendum on Donald J. Trump, no matter what.
0: Jim Van de CEO of Axios, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. My final two right after this.
1: Earlier, we highlighted Silicon Valley Bank's experience with helping startups. But with Silicon Valley Bank, you're also getting a partner committed to supporting you as you strive to hit your next milestones. Perhaps that's why 50% of VC backed tech and life science companies choose Silicon Valley Bank. Visit svb.com forward slash next to learn more.
0: Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas. Bank here. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is a new McKinsey study that finds the employment outlook for African-Americans will, quote, worsen dramatically due to workplace automation. Now, to be sure, automation threatens all sorts of workers, regardless of race. But McKinsey points to two main factors. First, African-Americans are overrepresented in sectors most likely to be affected by automation, like trucking, food service and office clerking. Second, African-Americans are underrepresented in five of the six parts of the country projected to grow the fastest, but overrepresented in parts of the country that are on pace to see the slowest growth. Combine this with how African-American unemployment already is twice as high as white unemployment, and McKinsey expects to see hundreds of thousands of African-American job losses by 2030. And finally this morning, one more note on jobs, but this time for the tens of millions of people who work at private equity owned companies. There's a landmark new report coming out this week, which Axios got an advanced copy of, and it shows 4.4% higher job losses at private equity owned companies than at non-private equity owned companies. It also shows greater wage losses. Why it matters is that a 2001 study by the same two academics found virtually no change in post-buyout employment, and private equity has spent the last eight years hanging its reputational hat on that report. In other words, it can't believably shoot the messenger. It's also worth noting, however, that the study also complicates things for vocal private equity critics like Elizabeth Warren in that post-buyout employment varies significantly by type of deal. In other words, if private equity buys a publicly traded company, there are huge job losses. But if it buys a privately held company, including from another private equity firm, employment actually increases. For the authors, a one-size-fits-all policy prescription may not make sense. And we're done. Big thanks for listening and to my producers Tim Shovers and Jesse Lee. Have a great National Chocolate Covered Pretzel Day and we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata podcast.